Ladies and gents, welcome to a Shroom Life podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking with Armando Mercurio, and he's going to be talking about Victoria Trout, aka Dino, as in Ronaldinho. So, welcome, mate. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Hey, I heard that you've got a couple of interesting nicknames. So, Dino, one of those, yep. must be an interesting personality. You must be in the Victorian trout scene. Yeah, interesting nickname. That's probably that more came from playing soccer rather than um, fishing. That one. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, guys, I play with. So you used to play quite a bit of soccer. Yeah, I used to play a bit. Now I play more socially, just with friends once a week. So yep. we have a team together, and yeah, my name came from um, from doing all the tricks and the flicks and the fancy stuff that um, you know. The professionals do, but mine just don't come off. All oh, right, so a bit like a. Uh, I know about the Harlem Globetrotters for basketball, so you're sort of like that in the soccer scene amongst your friends, at least. Yeah, amongst my friends, at least. But um, yeah, not very good at it, but <laughs> I try. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's that's interesting. Um, we're going to be talking about Victorian trout, as I said earlier. And it's something that I haven't really put time into, at least on my channel. I haven't really chased trout on video as of yet, but it's something that I like to do. And that's why I thought having you on the podcast tonight, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to be getting a lot of tips, a lot of interesting and fun conversation. So, ladies and gents, kick back, relax, and we'll get straight into this podcast. So, look, um, I'm a bit of a motor mouth tonight, so... I'm going to be talking too much, but let's just start off and let's just get into the groove of the podcast and fully introduce our guest so we know that he likes fishing, he likes a bit of soccer, a bit of a larrikin amongst his mates. So, why why chase trout? What's the draw with trout for you? Um, why chase trout? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um I don't know. Is, I think it's is more- Is it sort of like uh, the areas that it takes you or it's the species itself? I think it's a bit of the species itself and also um, being land-based predominantly because um, I don't have a boat or a kayak. Um, it's just that you can walk for as long as you want. So, you can get to a lot of places. You don't need a boat and you can just- you can catch some good fish. And plus, they, um, they're quite acrobatic, so sometimes they can put on a good show. Yeah, absolutely. So, I also put up my hand having no boat craft, so yeah. no kayak, no boat. And, you know, I haven't really chased trout properly. I just go to some of the, the impoundments out west in New South Wales. But, geez, they, they're like, I mean, I think they're more acrobatic than salmon, like Australian salmon that you get in the salt. They launch themselves out of the water. Yeah, get no. your heart rate pumping. Yeah, no, they do, especially when you catch like one of those really big ones, and you start seeing them, them like half out the water, thrashing their head, and then the heart rate goes up, and you're like, oh, is it going to throw the hooks? And and yeah, they, yeah, no, it's actually pretty cool. And the little ones get some really good air; they get some really good hang time. So, what's the highest jumping trout you've caught? Oh, I'm really bad with estimations. <laughs> um, they jump Now's the high. time to exaggerate, you know. We're telling <laughs> a story here. So, now's the time to exaggerate. I'll probably say maybe about, oh, half a metre. Yep. Maybe, oh, yeah, maybe about half a metre sometimes. Well, that's what it looks like to me, but I could be completely wrong. Yeah, so, so. basically like Michael Jordan out of the water. Exactly right, like Michael Jordan out of the water. <laughs> so. All right, so- Armando, what sort of a fishing background do you have? So, did you start when you were young or you sort of just got into fishing at a later age? Uh, fishing background. So, I started when I was young. Like, I used to go on holiday. Or, yeah, go on holidays with family. We used to go to like Malakuta and Aruma, Bem River, Alexandrans, a lot of, well, all the time, really. Yep. So, yeah, I've been fishing since I was young, a lot of bait fishing and then, um, yeah, slowly, slowly progressed to lures. Sounds like yeah. you started off fishing a lot of saltwater areas. Yeah, a lot of saltwater. Brim. Brim, flathead, salmon, trevally, pretty much whatever bit <laughs> back then. So, yeah, as a kid- you What's your best to- brim from Malakuta? Have you been there often? Yeah, I normally go there once, twice a year sometimes. Um, I think my biggest brim from Malakuta is 
from memory is 40 centimeters. Yep. So that's my biggest brim from there. What was that taken on? That was taken on, that was on bait, unfortunately. Okay. Yep. Yes. What so, sort of bait? Just the, the humble prawn or some nah, sort of live actually, bait? I caught a, um, I got snagged and I pulled up, um, I'll call them irukanjis, but they're not. They're just like those. It's just like a snag with, it had a muscle on it. Yeah. So I just cracked open the muscle, put that on. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, caught a broom. Oh, perfect. Local bait works best, as they say. Exactly now, right. So it seems like you had a varied experience. And now that you started to get a little bit more experience and enjoyment out of the sport, you started focusing on trout. And yeah, we sort of talked a little, a little bit about some of the reasons. So, at any point in your journey, did you realize that this was, you know, this species, you're going to devote a lot more time to understanding them and becoming an expert of sorts in that? Like, when did that transition happen? Um, uh, it probably happened when I was about 19, 18, 19, 20, something like that. Um, I used to go fishing for trout with a guy with a mate from work um and when we caught one on a lure or when he caught one on a lure um he kind of got hooked yeah so then we started just it was pretty much let's just go trout fishing so we pretty much went there all year round up until close season so that's yep. pretty much the reason why um, what's the close yeah. season in victoria these days so the close season is from midnight of queen's birthday up until I think it's the first week of September, Father's Day weekend, I think it opens up. Did you know when you first encountered that trout that that was the sort of species that could have been present or like a lot of see a lot of people, they just go fishing and they don't really know what they're going to catch and then they'll catch it or they'll hear a story and then they become enamored by that species and uh, then suddenly the whole journey just reflects that. They've just gradually changed their focus. No, we are uh, from fishing up there when I was younger. We like I knew in the rivers yep. that there were trout there. However, um, when I was younger, we'd fish a lot in Ilden Pondage. Um, yep. it wasn't only till like later as a late teen, um, that I finally convinced my dad to bring me to like the rivers around there. And then because I wanted to chase them on lures and I liked the scenery of the rivers and stuff like that. So, yep. yeah, probably that got me hooked, I guess. Yep. If that makes sense. And about trout, there's like many species. What yeah. was that species that your friend caught the very first encounter? I think he caught a rainbow trout. Yep. From memory. Um, yeah, I think it was that. And is that the sort of species that you're targeting these days or it's a more varied sort uh, of approach? Oh, well, where I go, there's a mixture between rainbow trout and brown trout. Um, I don't, like, if you go for one, you can't really avoid the other type thing. Yep. Like, they just coexist. <laughs> it's like brim and flathead. They just coexist in the same place type thing. Yep. So, so mostly those two species, that's your sort of target. Yeah, mostly those two species. Well, yeah, mostly those two species. Apparently, there is brook trout in one of the rivers up there. I don't know if they're still in there and if they are, if it's a rarity to come to catch one now. Um, but yeah, there used to be brook trout in there at some stage. Yep. Must be like a needle in a haystack sort of situation. Yeah. Well, apparently um, they have like hatcheries up there or something and a wombat dug a tunnel into one of the um, ponds. Yeah, and they all got sucked into the one of the rivers there. Oh wow! So, so yep. that's how they got in. Uh, that's what I was told. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But yeah, yep. so just in case anyone knows the actual story about it, you can educate me too. Have you caught a brook trout before, or mm. you know other types of trout? Like, uh, I guess I, I sort of in my mind I classify trout and I mean I don't know if that's correct, but there's like salmon and there's trout the you know the freshwater thing yeah um no i've never caught a brook trout i do remember when they escaped me and my friend were like we've got to go we've got to go try and catch one 
Um, he did catch one, but he lost it. It jumped off the hook. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I never caught one. I still try sometimes. Again, I don't know if they're in there or not. Maybe just, I'm just hoping type thing yeah. that that would be. I don't even care if I catch one that's 10 centimeters. I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. What was the latest trip that you went on and what were you targeting? Where'd you go? The, not including trout. Well, Ken, it could be trout. It could be anything. You might have, you know, done a charter or you might have gone into state. What was the most recent sort of trip? My re- most recent trip was a couple of weeks ago. I went to the Patterson River. I was trying to chase brim. Yeah. Um, and I struck out. <laughs> well, we've had heaps of rains and I know Victoria had, I think, more rains. Like more rains yeah. than us. I saw the flooding. You know the the news. It was about Victorian floods. Yeah, yeah. That so. probably had an impact. I'd say. Yeah, the water was dirty, and I'm not the best at brim at the moment. Still trying to get my head. I'm oh, not getting my head around it. I have caught brim on lures, but I'm still trying to understand that more. So yeah, there's going to be a lot more donut sessions before I actually start getting consistent at it. Well, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Brim is, I mean, it. I actually can't think of a species where you're almost guaranteed to catch fish. Even if you target yakkers, yeah. you can still donut. Like, <laughs> I've had that happen. So, let alone brim, which is a very smart species. Yeah. They permeate every system in almost every little sort of habitat. But sometimes they're just not hungry and therefore, they're really tricky. And a lot of people spend their whole lives trying to perfect and chase them. Yeah. Well, that's what not- about a big trip? Oh, sorry. I was talking on top of you. Oh, no, no. You're right. I, was, I can't even remember what I was going to say. So, it's not really important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what about your last big trip? Maybe like a holiday sort of trip? Um, my last big trip was probably about six weeks ago or something like that. I uh, went to the Glen Elg River in Nelson. Um, again, I was land-based, but I was just flicking the woods for perch and I was just catching perch. Yeah. No brim again. <laughs> Is that sort of like a fish that you've caught before or, you know, like uh, a bucket list fish or not really? It's just something that you also do on the side. Uh, it's something that I'm trying to get good at. I think brim and perch are my next species that I want to try and understand and get good at and then... Uh, probably after that will be the Mulloway. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, so. Any, so Mulloway must be on the bucket list? Uh, I have caught one. I've caught it on bait. I did lose one on the lure. Actually, I've lost, I've lost like two or three actually. But, um, yeah, they're the, probably the next one after I kind of get better at brim and perch that I want to understand more and go for more and get a bit more consistent at. Any other species on the bucket list? Uh, the bucket list, uh, for me, will be a queenfish and a marlin. Right, yeah. I've not ticked off marlin, but I've ticked off the rest of them. Yeah. Queenfish is a nice one. Yeah, I wouldn't mind catching one of them, so I reckon they're pretty cool. They look amazing. Yeah. They fight pretty well. Yeah. Now, no, they, they grow pretty big and on the light stuff, you, you, can, you can land them on the light gear, so it's a good challenge. Yeah, no, I look forward to trying to do that. That will be next year. Where so, would you be going for that? Uh, I'm going to Port Douglas. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I'm going to do a charter for GTs and Queenies and Barrow and stuff like that. So, hopefully, we can get a few. Perfect. Yeah. Now, for those, let's just talk a little bit more about trout right now. Yeah. Is there one particular capture that you've had that's, you know, like sticks out in your memory? Um. There's quite a few, but I think one of the ones that sticks out in my memory is not that I didn't catch it. My friend caught it. Um, that's the one that actually sticks out in my memory. Yep. Um, the reason is because I'm really bad at telling stories, but I'll give it a shot. Um, <clears throat> he had just were well, going up to the Goulburn River and he bought a Daiwa double clutch. Um, and he was telling me, he goes, yeah, I'm going to try this new lure, the diver double clutch. I'm like, yeah, awesome, cool. Um, so we get to the first spot and he casts it in once and he retrieves it and he just turns to me and he goes, I don't like this lure. I just, I think it's hopeless. I won't use the swear words, but yeah, I'll keep it PG. 
He goes, yeah, this is just like poo. I'm like, all right, well then don't use it, change it. And he gave it another two casts. And I think on his third cast, he, um, he turns around to me and he goes, oh, I've snagged it. He's like, oh, well, $33. I don't even like it anyway. So who cares? <laughs> and he's trying to flick it off the snag. And probably about five seconds later or 10 seconds later, um, the snag started moving and he actually realized, and we both realized because you could see his expression change on his face. He was like, Oh, oh my God, I've, I've caught a trout and he caught a massive trout. Wow. So yeah. So considering he didn't like that lure, he caught his personal best of 64 centimeters. That is some story. And you said that you couldn't tell a story. No, well, I'm not the, probably the most best at it, but yeah. So, did you end up going straight out there and buying some double clutches? Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just stuck with the ones I had, but I did buy them like a couple of years later. So, fair so, enough. Yeah. So, let's let's talk about like chasing trout. So, I've like I've chased trout, um, not not often. Yeah, mostly in the past. But I, I normally do impoundment trout. So, it's not, you know, not the wild stream sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I use hard bodies. I use plastics and that sort of stuff. But how, how do you go about it? Like, what sorts of gear and... And stuff. Um, yeah. So, I don't, I don't fish impoundments. I just fish the river. Um, mainly, I fish... I think... I don't know if it's classified as... I'm really bad with geography. I'm bad at everything, actually. Um I don't think it, I don't know if it's classified as the Yarra Ranges, but it's like north east Victoria, like around Ilden, like Goulburn River and like it's little rivers and stuff that feed off it is where I mainly go. Um, so yeah, it's mainly river fishing for me. Just waders, walk, backpack. That's it. Yep. And a rod and a what, reel, obviously. Yeah. What sorts of line classes we're talking about rods and reels um so a reel i just use just a 2000 size diwa um if you want to know the name of it i have it right here it's a silver creek yeah. um I've you can long- hold that up to the screen so they, they'll be able to see that okay so as far it. as i know the silver creek is a trout specific sort of reel. i mean it's designed for it i mean the you know the advertising and the marketing yeah, that's why I got it because it was apparently designed for it. Um, but yeah, it has, it actually has served me well. So no complaints. Yep. Um, line class, I fish with braid. Normally, a six pound braid. Yep. Um, I think I've got eight pound on it now because they didn't have six pound in stock. So I think I went with eight, but normally it's six pound. I normally use. What brand? Um, I think it's. Uh, what's on this one? I think I've got Diver J Braid, I think, on this one at the moment. Yep. I don't. I like the Diver. Um, yeah, normally stick with Diver. I don't like something too soft and I don't like something too stiff. Yep. So, something in between. Um, and just the, mainly a four pound leader, sometimes six pound leader if I run out of four pound, but mainly four pound. Um, just a one to two kilo. Uh, it's a nitro vapor. Six foot yes, six I know rod. that rod. Yep. Yeah, it's the one I use. Just a six foot six nitro vapor. Um, That's yeah. got a lot of power in that rod. Yeah, it's got a lot of power in the in the butt. It's pretty. Um, I think it's extra fast action, so it's pretty like stiffish sort of stick. Like you can you can lean into it. Yeah, you and can feel that it's got more give. Yeah, so yeah. It, it does the job. I'm happy so, like, you, one to two kilos so you can flick light lures and it's got a nice bend. I mean, they all say, I mean, most rods say that they're fast or extra fast, but you really got to just use them to know how much they bend. Yeah. I, I, well, personally, for me anyway, I find, like, different brands and different rods have different ratings. And yeah. it, the, the words might give you an idea, but you really, if I mean, if you know you're fishing well, you have to pick it up and you've got to fish it to know. Yeah, exactly right. So that's the same with me. Like, I don't, 
yeah, same. Some rods say extra fast, and I feel they're more of just a fast action. But yeah, this actually does feel extra fast. Yep. There's not much give in the tip type thing, um, and it's good for if you're fishing the opposite way of the current. Yeah. Um, like your your tip's not bent like a banana. It actually holds pretty pretty well. So this this caught my attention. You said that you don't like the braid to be a bit too soft nor stiff. Yeah. So I think stiffness is sort of one of those things that people sort of see as a negative, but softness, they most people like a really as soft or as supple a braid as possible. Yeah. Is there a reason why you want something in between? Um yeah, I don't like too stiff. I think it just comes down to personal preference. I think too soft you get a lot of wind knots personally or they wrap around your guides. Um and too stiff, I just don't like. So I just try and find something in between. But again, that comes down to personal preference. What I find is in between might be soft or stiffer for someone else. So sounds sounds about right. Uh, normally, when it comes to braid, like I said, that you know stiffness. Most people tell me they don't like stiff braid. They like the supple braid. Yeah, and they don't like it if it's too fluffy after a few sessions. Yeah, I normally change mine maybe every two years. It doesn't really fluff up that much, the J-Braid. So, it's pretty good. But again, yeah, personal preference and what you think is too fluffy is different to me. So, with that sort of gear, you're fishing the rivers, uh, you know, like what sorts of, you know, like like I said, I haven't done any of this wild river trout fishing as of yet. Yep. So, what sorts of places and structures are we talking about here? So, on, on a particular day that you go out fishing, what are you looking for? Honestly, if it's connected to the river, I just fish it. I don't care how shallow it is. I don't care how deep it is. I don't care anything. It's There's water. It will hold a fish at some point somewhere because um, they just hold kind of anywhere. They hold in shallower water. They hold in deep water behind structure. So, I know that doesn't really give what people want, you know. Well, it sort of does. Uh, For example, you know, like there's certain, like firstly, I would be looking for areas where there might be like a deep pool, but it comes from like a shallower section. Maybe I'm trying to intercept some fish that are moving. If the current's fast and they're not moving, they're obviously sitting behind rocks possibly. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, all that as well. Like if you see any structure- like big boulders in the water, cast towards them and try and get your lure to swing in behind it because the trout um, will normally face into the current or if there's a current break, they'll normally just like chill out there till something comes past. Um, yeah, deep. Yeah, it's just, it just depends really what you kind of look for. You could break it down, you know. Would you mostly be catcher- capturing those that are sort of resting behind rocks, as you've just said? Um, they form most of your captures? Not not really. Um, I've caught them, like, everywhere in yep. all different types of scenarios and structure, like uh, undercut banks, under tree, uh, overhanging trees. That's another one because stuff will fall off the trees and they can line up. So, sometimes if you catch one, you can catch two, three, or four out of that um, little place that you're casting at. I don't know. Yep. I don't know. It's very um, broad. Yeah, I guess it is broad. I mean, the terrain that you're fishing, it's it's changed. You're in the wild. Yeah. It's you have ch- to have some level of adaptability by the yeah. sounds of it. Um, and I think too, because of the river level changes as well, because it's coming from a dam that's regulated from a dam. So sometimes if the river level is really high, places that were shallow become obviously deeper and calmer. Um, or when the river level is really low, you can walk in and get closer to the other side of the banks in some places and fish different types of holes and things like that. So it just changes a lot in the That's Colburn a good river. point. So in the salt, you don't you normally don't get widely varying changes beyond the high tide and the low tide mark. Yeah. In general, but yeah, you're right. So this must this is an interesting point. So you could be going to the same spot after a period of time, and suddenly it's dried, or suddenly it's 
X meters deeper than you thought. Yeah, exactly so right. That, so, that's sort of like a common expectation you have. Like, you just don't know what the area is like until you get there or yeah. you pay attention to the weather. Um, it, you, there's a number you can call, and this is just for the Goulburn River because that's where I mainly fish around there, and that will tell you the the flow that's going into the Goulburn River. So, you can, once you kind of know, like, the numbers that they're talking about, you kind of have an idea of how high or how low it is. And then from there, you can make a decision of where you want to go, what might be easier to fish and stuff like that. Would you say having like a, n- not so much as the area mapped out in your head, but having some sort of previous knowledge, it helps you to get your session kicked off and get results versus someone that's never done that area and they firstly turn up and uh, have a go? Yeah, I think it does help because- yeah, like I said, just depends on the river level. You kind of know, um, you know, which spots will, not spots, but which parts of the river that you can walk up and down on. You have maybe the most access to walk up and down on, um, where it might be a bit easier to fish or where you think fish might hold easier, um, and things like that. So yeah, it can help knowing the, um, terrain and how the river level or river flow affects it. What's the number one characteristic or number one factor that you think influences success? Um, to be honest, factors like barometer, winds, moons, weather, any of that I don't care about anymore. For me, it's if I have a day off, I'm going to go. I think that's probably the way you might get some success. Just don't think about like water levels and things like that. Just go and just cast and learn, I guess. That's probably, you know, just yep. go there trying to catch a, a, a trout. Like, Don't worry about um, all the other things that go with it because I just don't pay attention to it anymore. What about seasons, time of day or, you know, maybe even recent rains um well recent rains i'm pretty sure it's flooded up there now so i don't think you can actually fish it i think it might be a bit too so that definitely is a factor that's in consideration then so i i basically gave those factors because i know that they're probably more likely to have some impact on you know at least spot selection if not hey you know let's hold off for another week or two yeah i think you'll be holding on holding off for quite a few weeks from what i understand it's quite flooded up there so um time of day i I forgot the other factor but definitely time of day i mentioned time of day i fish um i don't know gentlemen's hours i guess so i don't get up early i normally leave i'll try and get up there by 10 10 30 um time of day maybe in summer it matters a bit more um, cause it's hotter, but when that's it's a fair point. Down, yeah. So what, why do you think temperature matters? Like just for those that don't really understand. Um, well, trout are a, like they're a cool water fish. So they like cold water. I think when there's, when, you know, there's those 40 degree days and things like that. Um, it might, um, just be too hot for them. So they might be down deeper. Or in, um, shadowy places like under, well, wherever somewhere casts a shadow or faster running water for, to get cool and more oxygen, I guess. Um, so yeah, maybe later in the day or earlier in the morning in summer is more productive, uh, productive rather than in the middle of the day. But, um, but that's not to say that in the middle of the day, you still can't catch them. You still can. Yeah, I mean, 40 degrees is pretty extreme, but, you know, in Sydney, we get 40 degrees every summer and yeah. even humans don't go fishing when it's 40 degrees. <laughs> no. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, I normally stick to the cooler months now. I pretty much from March to close season is when I start to go once a week, twice a week. Now, let's talk about lures. Uh, so, lures, I mainly use like inline spinners. 
um like so what's an inline spinner for those that i can show you because i don't know how to explain it so that so yes you hold it up right to the screen yep yeah so that that is an inline spinner is an inline spinner so this thing that little thing spins so it's got a treble on the end it's got like a i mean it's basically just made out of metal yeah, it's basically made out of metal. It's just got a treble at the end, and as you drag it through the water, um, that spins. Yeah. So, what do they call that? That's like a blade. It's like a, a blade. Is it a blade or, or leaf or something? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the greatest things. when it comes to naming like freshwater, freshwater um, apparatus, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I just know it's an inline spinner, and I know how it works. That's it. I just know what it looks like in the water because, you know, I've cast them and I've you know, used them. But in the salt, you know, you don't throw that in the salt, but you could, but yeah. you don't because they rust. Yeah, they do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I know it's called. I'm not very sciencey. I just know yeah. how things work. I'm, yeah, I just know how things work and how to use them. And you can, like, literally pick them up anywhere. I've seen them in even your local department stores. Yeah, you can pick them up anywhere. So, yeah, just using them. They're easy to use. You just cast and retrieve and that's it. No. And they're sort of uh, heavy enough to just cast on even 10-pound gear because they got a bit of weight to them. Yeah, you can get like the- they come in sizes. So, I think that was like a size one. So, if you get a size two, they're normally a bit heavier and yeah, you can cast them yep. um, quite far and quite easily. Like what- how, how would you use that one in any specific situation? In fast-moving uh-huh. current, in deep water? So, I use it- yeah. again, I use them anywhere. So, yeah, in fast current, I normally just, I'll cast upstream to start with. And just yep. as long as you're winding it quicker than the um, speed of the water or the speed of the current, however you want to say it, um, and you get that blade spinning, it will work. Um, and then I just fan out my casts um, and I even cast against the current and bring it up against the current as well, which a lot of people say don't do, but I do it. But if it works... It's worked for me on so many occasions and, yeah, so definitely do that. What do you think makes that lure effective, like for you in the way that you use it? Is it the flash or is it one of the lures that sits in the current a bit better when it's flowing and you can get it in the strike zone? What Um, makes that spinner a good choice for you? It just works. It's just caught me fish in the past i yep like i said i don't know the science behind some of these things it's just yeah it just it works that accounts for quite a lot of fish yep so everyone yeah just yeah they're simple to use and yeah that's i don't really know what to say any specific colors that you like um norm i i normally get like between oh there's heaps of colors but um golden I think it's gold with red spots, silver with red or black spots, and black with, like, red spots or just black. They're probably my favorite colors yep. that I like to use. Um, Silvers, golds, reds, and spots of various colors. Yeah. Um, in the clearer water, I'll normally use, like, gold with red. If it's dirtier water or a, a darker day, I'll probably go, like, the black um, yep. and... The silver one, it's just mainly whenever. Like, that's yep. just if the other two aren't really working, I'll try that. But, you know, if they're not working, I'll switch to a hard body or something else. What about some other lures? Some other lures. So, um, Rapalas. So, like, something like that. Can you see it? Yes. Is that a Rapala countdown? So, this one's a floating Rapala. Yep. Um, five centimeter, and then this one's the countdown. Oh yes, I, I recognize. It was sort of looked the similar, like similar shape. Yeah. Do you know what the other one was? It's a uh, floating, an F. So it's same shape, kind of, yep. but um, this one floats. This one sinks. Ah, yes, that's this right. This one yeah. sinks. This one. That floats. one, yeah. So the countdown is a. S- like, is it sinking or suspending? It's one of those. It definitely doesn't come back up. No, no it's sinking. Much. Sinking. 
Yeah, because I've I've actually you know with my limited experience I've caught trout on that. So yeah, no, nah, the sinking ones are great. You can tell the caught some bows, guys. <laughs> the sinking ones have a um a split ring on the end of the nose. Yep, and they're a bit fatter in body, and the floating ones don't have a um a split ring on the nose. It's just the nose with the the loop thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So what colors were they? I mean, they didn't come out too clear. No, it looked green with a red. Yeah, so this one, the floating one, it, this one's a brook trout pattern. It's got green, orange, bit of black on top with some spots. Yep. Don't know how you can. Yeah, that's much better. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that one, and then this one was a brown trout pattern. Just looks like a brown trout. It's white underneath with a bit of brown, goes a bit darker on top with some spots. Yep. So. Yeah, um, they're something I use as well. They're good old Rapalas. I reckon they work really well. Um, and in terms of sizes. So they're wooden, aren't they? Yeah, they, I think they're, yeah, they're wooden. Yeah, they're definitely wooden. You um, prefer wooden lures over plastic? No, I don't really have a preference. I just, the Rapalas always seem to work, especially in, um, high flowing. Uh, current, if you're fishing them backwards, like against the current, I think they really Oh, yes. Yep. That makes they, sense. They swim well and they don't really blow out or yep. anything like that. So they, yeah, they hold well. Um, sizes, I think I normally use from F or like a three centimeter all the way up to, um, 11. That's pretty big. Yeah. So I'll use up to an 11. Um, yeah, but there's, I don't know, there's other ones as well, like the bullet lure, which I can't get. So, you're using the the 11 when you're targeting big models or is it like another reason, like do small trout hit the big ones? Yeah, small trout hit the big ones as well. Um, they all seem to hit it. Normally, the I'll normally start off like between a 5 and a 7 if I use a hard body yep. and then... I'll go from there. If I'm not getting anything or seeing anyone chase or any hits, um, I'll either go to the really small one or to the really big one to try and piss them off. Yep. So, you're trying to aggravate them, trying to provoke a reaction, reactionary bite of yeah. sorts. I'll, yeah. Well, that's my guess as to why they might be taking the big one. Yeah. Because some of them, they're almost as big as the lure and they take it. So, I'm like, well. Yeah. Obviously not. I don't think you're trying to eat this, but whatever. Yeah. Good luck to you. So, I've got a question leading on to leading on from that. So, so trout, they I mean, I noticed that these lures are in the patterns of trout that you're targeting. So, so far I've noticed that those colors, they resemble trout basically, your target species or at least of the same family. Um, you know, is that sort of like because they're cannibalistic or territorial and that's why it works? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Now, I know you said uh, you're not too much on, into the science part, but what's, you know, what's your feeling? That's all we're here for. We're just discussing what you feel like. Um, all right. Uh, I personally, it's just because that's pretty much what you can buy at the shops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, they all got like trout patterns. Um I do have some other ones in like other patterns, like from other brands, but um, generally I do like to stick to the um, trouty patterns myself. So, for what reason, I don't know. It's just how I like to do things, I guess. I yeah. think it's, you know, like everyone says, the lures, colors uh, attract the fishermen, not the fish. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. It's probably a mixture. I mean, territorial reasons are always valid. Yeah, I think that can help. I, I have a lot of people have told me, well, people who actually are better than me at trout fishing, that when it's like spawning season, use a lot of reds um, and oranges, like with spots. I think it's to imitate, I think. So, if anyone's listening that actually knows about trout, don't kill me for this. I think it's because of like aggression reasons, 
maybe it looks like a spawning trout or something in their territory. I think you're right. I, I've got some thoughts on that, but I think you're not far off. But, I mean, these colours work well, especially around that time. Yeah, they do. Um, so, yeah, even on the um, the spinners, if you have anything with red on it or red spots, use them as well. I think, oh, I don't know if they're meant to represent like an egg or something that's floating down the river as well. So, yeah. An eagle, did you say? I was just, uh, that caught an my e- attention. An eagle. Yeah, did you say that? Was that what you said? No, no, no. Um, I don't know. No, like, um, they're meant to represent like eggs. Oh, okay. Eggs. Fish yes, eggs. Okay. Trout eggs. I don't know where my mind was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't know how a spinner represents that, but it works. So I'm not yep. going to argue it. Any other lures? Um, yeah, well, double clutch. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. You know, the podcast has come full circle now. That's exactly right. You got to, you got to have one of these in there after I saw what happened then. Um, the bullet lures, they're cool as well. They work. What's a bullet lure? Um, that the, I'm not aware of. The brand is bullet, bullet lure. Okay. So it's a brand. Yep. Yeah. So it's a brand and yeah, you can get them in sinking. Floating, rattling, and silent, I think. Um, so, is that another diver of sorts? Uh, yeah, so they're another. Yeah, some are sinking, um, some are floating. So, it's just a different color, a different shape to the Rapalas, I guess. Um, I've got like the Atomics. Sounds like a lot of hard bodies in there. There's heaps, and they they're just all get, tangled. They're all tangled. Let's see if I can get one. Yeah, it's like me. I just throw them in a box. Exactly right. Just okay. I'll give you two. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> two of the same lures. Yeah. So two atomics, um, yeah. different colors, but yeah, they're. I don't know if these are suspending, but they don't dive very deep. So in like the shallower water and stuff like that. Yep. Just to um, change are it they- up. Sort of like a twitch bait. I mean, uh, I mean, do you twitch those ones? Because they, they got a shallower bib. They won't stay, like mm. you said, they don't dive very deep. No, yeah, they, these are more of a, like, a, yeah, like they are more of a twitching type um, bait. But however, I just do normally slow roll them. Or if I do slow roll them, I will put some twitches in there as well. So, yep. I don't, I don't generally pause for trout. Um, yeah, try not to pause it. You'll notice if there is one chasing your lure and you stop it, a lot of the times I'll just sit behind it and look at it and then they might just go away, like they lose interest for some reason. Um, it's not to say that you can't catch them on a pause because you still can, but I think it's a much, like it's not like you're chasing brim. Like, so the pauses aren't always beneficial. Yep. Yeah, so I'll just try and keep it moving as much as I can. Now, I noticed you haven't nominated any soft plastics. No, uh, I have. I do have a pack with me. I do use them sometimes, but they're not my favourite thing to use. I'm not that good with them, and I haven't caught many trout with them. So, I normally tend to stick with hard bodies and inline spinners. Right, so, so basically it's more of a... It's like a, an ability to produce the correct action. You're finding it more difficult to get what you want out of that lure. So, you'd rather use a hard body. Um, I think it's just, I think for me, for some reason, soft plastics and trout fishing, it's just, they just, it just doesn't make really much sense. Like, it's just, it's just not that enjoyable, like using soft plastics for brim or flathead or things like that. So, I think I get bored easily with them. <laughs> I think that's really just the reason why I don't really use them. But I do have them. Yep. But yeah, it's just something that I just, yeah, if I put it on, I, it just doesn't, I, it doesn't hold my attention for Fair some enough. reason. Valid reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. So for that, you know, so for those that, um, that want to know whether soft plastics are any good, that's basically how I've caught most of my trout. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, well, there's a will, there's a way. If you want to make it work, you can make it work. Uh, but hard bodies are very fun, I have to admit. 
Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people who use soft plastics. There are a lot of people who have a lot of success with soft plastics. Um, like I said, I have used them. I've bought maybe like two or three trout on them, but again, they just don't hold my attention enough for me to learn it and want to know about it, unfortunately. But I, I do try. I am trying. I think this is probably a good time to loop back to that question on now that we've kind of looked at you know, the sorts of lures that we've been, you know, talking about here, what sorts of structure and how would you apply it? Uh, so, if I'm fishing somewhere where it's, say, I don't know, maybe visibly around about a metre deep um, and it's just all pebbly and rocky, we kind of like, doesn't really matter on the water speed, but like not really that quick. Um, I would probably use like inline spinners, um, a floating or shallow diving hard bodies, um, or even like if they are down, if they are holding the bottom more and they're not really coming up for them, you can even use your deep diving hard bodies, except for a double clutch. They just yep. any, anywhere there's a gap in a rock, it will just slide itself right in and you just can't it's you you have to start waiting in to get them out (laughs) and then like in deeper pools again just depending on how the trout is sitting but if they're deeper i'd normally try and put on something like a countdown or something that will dive a little bit deeper um just to try and get down there um and yeah um, anything where there's overhanging trees anywhere where there's a boulder in the water or um, where there's like a current break, um, weed, like weed patches, float um, an inline spinner over them or a shallow diving uh, or a floating Rapala. Just go really slow. It's just as long as it's moving, they'll come out from under the shadows of the weed and they'll... Um, they'll smash your lure. They'll smash your lure. In saying all that though, just mix and match. Like, even though there's a deep hole and you're putting it on the deep diving lure, try things that are, like, halfway through the water column or even higher up in the water column because they might be higher in the water column. So, and same with shallow water. Even though you can see it's a metre deep, I've had it where, you know, it's a, about a metre deep, you're using a floating lure, it's only going halfway down, yep. they're not attacking it then I'll put something that's actually hitting the bottom of the rocks and then all of a sudden I've caught like two or three trout. So nice. it's more of a mix and match type thing. So, yeah, but that's probably like the general rule, deeper, deeper water, deeper lures, and then just, yeah, mix it. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, you gave me an idea for the next question and that's about gear. You mentioned waders. So, I haven't talked any talked about any of the standard equipment that someone would need to fish rivers for trout yeah um yeah waders definitely uh either a set of hip waders um or the full like the chest waders yeah um, just a pair of them it's up to you how expensive or how cheap you want to go but yeah get yourself a pair of them um otherwise if like to wade across the river uh if you want to wade across or it can be muddy and things like that so um, and there's a lot of cow poo, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's probably good for that and to protect yourself from snakes as well, a bit of added protection. I wouldn't bet my life that waders would protect you fully from snakes, but I don't want to try either, but at least you've got that little bit of added yeah. thickness, I guess. That's the main danger, isn't it? So, for someone that's inexperienced and they head off to these areas snakes obviously number one um i think i've come across everything that like a lot of wildlife and all of them have attacked me so i've been charged and by cows and bulls i've been round up by wombats and i've like been i've never really i don't i haven't been attacked by snakes but i have seen them right so out of all of them the snakes actually been the less less dangerous it does sound like that might be the case so what's the story behind these charging bulls and cattle um i don't i don't know what it is with cattle and me i just avoid them now 
Um, <laughs> I've had them where I've just been walking because you walk through a lot of paddocks and things like that and like they're eating or they're minding their own business and whatever. And, you know, you have to kind of walk past them or you've got to go in their direction. And, yeah, sometimes like you mind your own business, you try and be as like I'm not here, don't look at me type thing, like not aggressive, nothing like that. And then they just look at you and then he's like they've done the whole thing with the foot like as if I was- like, Oh, they're scraping that ground. The scraping thing and I was looking at them like, are you serious? And then it started charging. And then I had to turn around in waders and just start running with like a lure just bouncing off the grass and things like that. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to wow. die. So, that was one and then the other one was in a paddock full of bulls. My friend left me. <laughs> <laughs> he left you for dead. <laughs> he left me for dead. I had to make a run for it to the fence um, because he he ran before I did. Yeah. But he ran on a diagonal like towards the bulls and they ran towards him. So, it closed the gap on me. Yeah. And I didn't know he had left me. I turned around to say to him like, calm down. Otherwise, I'm going to poo my pants once you like if you panic and i've just i turned around he wasn't there and i've just seen him he was gone over the fence i was like oh so then i started shitting myself and i just ran i just ran and jumped over the fence as quick as i could yeah you just had to leg it i just had to leg it in waders so yeah be careful for the cows don't annoy him wow <laughs> um, unless it's just me i don't know what about the wombat the wombat was we were walking, same, same, same friend. We we're walking down the, um, down the river and there was a wombat just like chilling. And so I went, so I kind of walked next to him. I'm like, Oh, cool wombat. Like it's so cute. And then walked away. Like didn't really want to scare it or anything, but it, um, we probably got about 15, 20 meters away from it and we could like hear something behind us. And we turned around and this wombat was charging towards us. Yep. So we absolutely like, um, I was a bit scared because this thing's a big ball of muscle and it just done like three loops like around us, like full on, like, yeah. And I'm just looking at each other like, let's, let's keep moving. They sound fast. <laughs> yeah. It, surprisingly, it was quicker than I thought that they would be. Wow. And I, I've never yeah. encountered one, but so I'm interested to hear. About these stories so then I can formulate a plan if it ever happened to me. Yeah, well, we just stood still and we just hoped it wasn't going to come straight for our legs because if it did, I reckon we would have been in a bit of trouble because that was a, it wasn't, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a ball of muscle, I think. So, probably would have knocked you off your feet. Yeah. Now, Armando, what about sunglasses or any other equipment? Sunglasses, yeah. A pair of... Uh, Polaroids yep. will do a lot of different, um, it will cut the glare out. You'll be able to see, um, trout or you'll be able to see the bottom of where you want to try and cross the river as well, or you'll see a bit more structure and things like that. So a good pair of Polaroids will do the trick. So yeah. Would you go so, fishing without Polaroids? No, I wouldn't. Even doesn't. Like, I'll use them in any light condition, even if it's raining. I'll still put them on because they still help. And also just to protect your eyes because you never know if you're going to just, like, walk into a a bush <laughs> or get a hook in the eye or something. Spider. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> spider. Yeah. Oh, spiders. No, I don't like spiders. Leech on the eyeball. A leech on the eyeball, anything like that. Yeah, just protect the eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's a dangerous now, sport, fishing. What about... In terms of equipment relating to lures such as clips? Um, I use lure clips. I use, so depending on what I'm using them for. So, if I'm, I'll see if I can find one. Um, I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? Yes. That's the type of clip I use. It's got like a swivel underneath and it's connected to like a lure clip. Yep. So, it, it can spin and yep. that's to alleviate line twist from the inline spinners. And that's mandatory in, in terms of, at least for you? Uh, for me, yeah, because 
like instead of just chopping line off and retying something that will take you know a minute or two it's just easier just to unclip it and clip it on um it takes away line twist as well so you don't have to worry really worry about having line twist and things like that so it can help with that do you change lures often and quickly or do you sort of persist with one for a a period of time so i'll normally start with whether it's a hard body or an inline spinner I'll normally start with that and well, I'll pick a lure to start with. Um, and then, yeah, I'll normally have it on for about half an hour to 45 minutes to start off with yeah. and see if I'm getting any hits or any bumps or any follows or things like that. And if it's completely nothing, then I start to change. And then I'll normally give a lure like half an hour, 15 minutes. If I f- see nothing's happening, no interest. I'll change again and then I'll keep changing until I find something that they want and also change my action up as well or different techniques, however you want to say it. When we were talking about lures, you mentioned casting upstream and a lot of people have their own approach. I mean, I, I know you have strong feelings about this, so I'd like you to explain a bit about that. Um, so a lot of people say, and I'm not saying that they're wrong by any means. They say cast upstream and then retrieve your lure with the flow of the water. Um, that's because the trout, when they're feeding, they'll, they will swim headfirst into the current and anything that's like drifting down with the water, they'll pick off as they eat. Um, however, I think if you don't cast the other way, or bring it up against the current. There are times where if you fish like the normal way or the, I don't know how you want to say it, the proper way, the normal way. Um, sometimes that doesn't really, like they might not be in a mood of eating or they might be a bit more shut down for whatever reason or, you know, sometimes it's just a tough day. Yep. Um, fishing it the other way. You can let the water do most of the work. So you don't have to reel in fast. You could almost sometimes, depending on the water flow, you can just stick your arm out, leave your, the lure in there and the water will like run over the lure and work itself. Yep. So then you can really slowly move it. And then a lot of the times I think it's more out of aggression, more than they're hungry. They will take it. Um, and it works well. Like if you got, uh, like undercut bank, undercut banks or overhanging trees next to you that are downstream, you can cast across, let your lure float with the, um, with the water and then lock up your bale. Um, and then you can just wind it slowly under the overhanging trees and things like that. Yeah. And a lot of the times, I've had a lot of success with that as well. Um, I think, yeah, again, I think they grab it more out of aggression than anything. But, yeah, it works. That's that's a fair point. So, so basically, it's not black and white where if you're going to pull it against the current, you're taking yourself out of the equation. No, I don't think that's the case. I think, like, people do say they like they, you can spook them or scare them. Um, I think, yeah, you can, but I don't think it's a, like, it's just that black and white where you can scare them. Yep. Because the way I see it is trout swim upstream or they swim, they they, they just swim in general. Yeah. Um, if there's one just like chilling. As opposed to fly in the water. As opposed to fly or walk. Um, but if there's one just like in the current chilling and then one of them, like another, you know, brother trout just decides to swim past that, what well, it's yep. just going to like, oh, like, what is that? And just run away. It's probably going to turn around, might get a bit of a fright and be like, oh, it's, it's Bob. Bob's coming past. Yeah. So like, yeah, I just don't buy the whole theory that they get scared and spooked and they just go away because then. How would trout pass another trout? Yeah, and how would you scaring it? How would you get results if it didn't? Yeah, then if it mattered I, that much, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, that's my opinion on it. But yeah, each to their own. 
Are there any differences in your approach depending on the seasons or time of year? Um, yeah, there are oh, not re- yes and no. Like in the warmer months, um, like summer and stuff, I don't fish it as much as I used to, but I would concentrate more either I would get there, I don't know, I'd probably start fishing at 1pm really, like because yep. I'll normally try and go into the evening. Yep. I find that if it's cooler, well, it kind of depends on the day, I guess, in summer. If it's like a 25 degree day, you can just kind of go whenever. But um, if it's been like really hot and stinking, I'd probably go more like towards the evening time, like afternoon to evening. Um, and just concentrate more on like maybe faster running water where there's a lot of oxygen, um, deeper pools or areas where there are shadows as far yep. as like your warmer months. And then when it starts to cool down, um, it's kind of a bit more open. Like you can, f- doesn't matter if there's sun beaming on the, um, on the river or whatever, like the, they're not just going to be in shadowy places. They'll be where the sun is. Yep. Um, because of probably, well, not probably, but I think insect life hatches and stuff like that when the water gets to a certain temperature. So with yep. the sun comes that kind of stuff. Again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how it works, but if you see bugs, there are fish. <laughs> yeah. In effect, yeah. So, if you see things hatching and flying, or if you see swallows as well, I think yep. they're swallows, the birds that eat the bugs. If you see them swooping down, there's normally yep. trout around there. That's yeah. interesting. So, is there anything you wanted to add further about insect hatches or swallows? Because obviously, we've been talking about lures and not, you know, on fly fishing, for example, but yeah. obviously, I can see that you're basically noticing that there is some sort of effect um yeah again i i don't know the science part of it behind it or anything like that but i have noticed that if there are i think they're swallows like the tiny birds the ones that fly a centimeter from the water yeah those ones like if you see them like flying and you see like you know three or four of them or five of them and they're just around the area and they're looks like they're chasing bugs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, normally, that's a good indication that there's either, I'm not sure if it's because there are things hatching or if there are things or there are bugs laying eggs or something like that. And so, normally, if they're there, the trout eat them. So, the trout are there as well. Yep. So, if you see things like that, um, yeah, there are normally trout there. Whether you catch them or well, that's a different story, but normally, sometimes- if they're really fixated on one type of like a bug and a nymph, whatever you want to call it, sometimes a hard body or a lure that might not attract their attention. I've got a big question here and it's about your day and what it involves. I want to know all the details, all the gory bits, the funny bits, starting from when you wake up or even actually starting from the night before if you want to. All right. So, the night before, I get all my stuff ready. So, I do my leaders, I do my lines, I tie my... Uh, my hooks. I tie my lures to the to the line. Get it yep. all ready. Backpack everything in the car, ready to go. Getting g'd up overnight. Getting g'd up overnight. Watch some YouTube clips. You know. Yep. Uh, and then yeah, the next day I'll put my alarm on. Um, hit snooze about ten times. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, get up first thing. Coffee, cigarette. Get everything percolating, toilet, shower, another coffee. Yeah, get all the plumbing working. Get all the plumbing working. Got to get rid of all that. We don't want any any mishaps. We we don't want to be running to a, you know, don't want to be digging holes up there. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, um, yeah, get in the car, go. First stop is at Hillsville, normally at the bakery, another coffee. Otherwise, you know. It's a long day without. You've had coffee. about three coffees already. Yeah, I'm normally up to four about at about this point. I've got yeah. to, Otherwise, you know, no caffeine it can get violent. No, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, and then after that, it's through the Black Spur, 
which is pretty fun. It's a very windy road for about 15 kilometers. Yep. So, you know, kind of channel my inner Mikhail Schumacher. Ah, uh, yes, right, yeah. <laughs> he was the rainmaster, that guy. I oh, know, he was the rainmaster. So, if you have um, a car that can, that's very enjoyable, you can enjoy yourself on the way up as well. Yeah, and then, yeah, drive all the way up and and that's it, really. That's all the fun part and then it's down to business. <laughs> Making your way through the cows and the and the wombats and trying to find somewhere to go. Yeah. And then so. realizing that you left a pair of braid scissors at home and Oh yeah. Realizing that you've left something at home or or you've misplaced the pliers or you've left something somewhere else somewhere. Oh, yeah, your so whole sad. tackle box. You got you got one lure on each rod and that's all you have because you've forgotten everything else. Because <laughs> you've forgotten everything else or you've forgotten your... Oh, yeah. You've, there's always something you forget. <laughs> and then when you get up there, you're just like, oh, no. So, yeah, or you forgot the net. And then you start catching fish and that's normally how it happens. Yeah, you start catching fish and then, yeah, it's normally, um, oh, crap, I forgot this or crap, I forgot that or, yeah, there's always something. Yeah. You've always forgotten. So, yeah, that's how I start my day. All right. Armando Mercurio, thanks for talking Victorian trout with us that's today. Right. Um, look, this is one of the more enjoyable podcasts, most definitely. I think we got into the groove of things. I love that last answer. I like to ask you if, you have anyone that you'd like to thank any people in your life or any sponsors that sort of thing um as far as sponsors i have none um so yeah i've got no sponsors to your thank. four coffees um, my four coffees i would like to actually thank um the coffee machines for yeah. um providing me with a good coffee machine and um lavazza beans for helping me get up out of bed in the morning um so i would like to thank them um, but more on a serious note, I'd probably like to thank Aussie Angler, um, because the guys there have always looked after me, especially the owner. He's a mad trout fisherman and he's taught me a lot. Um, uh, family and probably, um, I think, I don't know if I can say this, but I'd actually like to thank Greg from the ALF podcast as well, because his podcast has given me a lot of inspiration to do better and yeah and thank you of course and um yeah thanks Armando. that's all right it was my pleasure yeah keep up the good work with your youtubing i do enjoy having a good laugh so awesome what you're up on your adventures that's what it's all about yeah so thanks for that as well all right ladies and gents um, I'll actually like to extend an invitation to anyone that wants to come on to the show and share their expertise. Just send a message on any of my socials or drop a comment on one of my YouTube videos. I'll be able to find it. And yeah, we'll try to get you on. And hope you enjoyed this show on the Shroom Live podcast. This is The Shroom signing out.